Hey everyone, I'm Haley. And I'm Mackenzie. And this is Real Talk About Feminism. Welcome back. It feels like it's been such a slow week, but fast at the same time. It's been a really slow week for me. Yeah, you've got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I, so to update everyone, I am moving and I keep moving the original timeline up. Originally, it was a month from now. Mm -hmm. And then some things happened and then it was, okay, now it's two weeks and now it's next Wednesday. So like a few days from now. And I have yet to pack, I have yet to clean, and I started a new job yesterday. So I've been so busy. Yeah, no, I know. And But your job is great. Like you told me today, it's only been two days and you absolutely love it. I am loving it so far. It's so great. And the people that I'm working with are super nice and super fun and really understanding. So I don't feel any stress with training at all. It's just like, you know, always an adjustment to do something new. Right. And so on top of everything else that I'm doing, it's just so much. But when I get back to Denver on Wednesday, I'll be really excited to be there for almost two months before going to Hawaii and I'll get to see everyone and it'll be nice. Yeah. A cool thing too, your new job, like, it's kind of hard to explain, but like Haley and I work at the same company, but like under the same umbrella company, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So like we can like email each other at work and stuff. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we wanted to, we could. <laughs> so how was your week? It was good. I don't really have any major updates. I'm trying to think of what happened. Nothing really happened. <laughs> Just work. Just um, living it, life. Yeah, just living, making a living. It was our <laughs> sister's birthday yesterday. So um, we went out to dinner, this really nice sushi place, and that was fun. That's so fun. I saw the pictures of that, and everyone was dressed up all cute, and it looked like really good sushi. I mean, not that I eat sushi anyways. I eat vegetarian sushi, but it looked good. It was good. And they had veggie, uh, veggie, vegetarian sushi <laughs> options. <laughs> veggie sushi. Well, I had sushi tonight, so it's kind of like I was there with you guys in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'm excited to go back to Denver so that I can be there for those family moments. I know. We're so excited. Like, I, I know it wasn't really your plan to come back this early, but I feel like it'll work out for the best. I think so too. It'll be yeah. good. Well, um, let's dive right into the feminist highlight so that we can get into our topic for today because it's super exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So today's feminist highlight is Hattie McDaniel. And I'd never heard of her, but she's pretty amazing. Have you heard of her? I have never heard of her. Yeah. Like her name wasn't even familiar, which is so sad. Um, so also she was born in Denver in 1895 okay. and fun fact she went to east high so oh, if you're wow. from, yeah if you're from the denver area you definitely know where that is and like i literally in high school i played volleyball and like we used to play there against yes yeah. yeah so that was just kind of fun 
Um, she was the first African-American woman to win an Oscar in America. And she won the Oscar for her role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind. I've never seen that, but I know it's like an iconic film. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, I also know it's the first movie that has a swear word in it. And I learned that from Amazing Race. <laughs> like oh. 10 years ago or something. Remember when How we watched that every Sunday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1914, she and her sister, so obviously in this time, like it was not common for women and for black women to be actresses and actors. So like, mm-hmm. that was like unheard of. So in 1914, her and her sister created a female quote, blackface minstrel show. And according to coloradovirtuallibrary.org, she quote, defied and critiqued racial and gender stereotypes of the era, end quote. Um, all through the minstrel show. And in addition to this, she appeared in 300 films. She also had her own radio show and she was super generous with her money. She donated to a lot of organizations and the most um, prominent one that she donated to was um, NAACP, National Advancement of Colored People. And in 2010, she was inducted into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame. That's so awesome. I, yeah, I've never heard of her. Yeah. And like being from Denver, I'm like, how? So that was just really cool. Um, I think she's obviously very amazing and, um, really broke that glass ceiling. So yeah, we should petition the mayor of Denver to put a statue up of her somewhere in Denver. I wonder if there is one up or like some sort of memorial. But yeah, that we should do that. Yeah, I would not be surprised if there wasn't. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's, we should definitely do something about that because that's so inspirational. Yeah, isn't that cool? I just, I thought it was cool. Well, awesome. Thanks for teaching us about her. Okay, you guys. So before we start with the content for today's episode, We are just going to do a little trigger warning. This is a sensitive topic. We will be talking about sex trafficking. And it's obviously just a very sensitive topic. So just a warning to you. um, That's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, So we are excited because we're having our first guest on the podcast. Our first guest. (laughs) And we're really excited to talk with her so far, the conversations that I've had with her. She's super sweet and super kind. And she seems like such a genuine person who just wants to help other people and protect other people mm-hmm. and fight for other people. And obviously on this podcast, like we talk about this all the time, it is a safe space. And um we do believe in the power of sharing your story to help other people. And that's exactly what our guest is trying to do. Um, So I'll give a little backstory for how I found her. Um, I was scrolling on TikTok and I came across this video and on it, she had typed out sex trafficking red flags to watch for. 
And so I watched the video and it was really informative. And she brought up some things that I never thought about before that would be red mm -hmm. flags. Um, and so I reached out to her and I asked like if she wanted to share more or share her story. And that's what she's going to do today. So we're going to learn a lot about what to look out for and how to protect ourselves. And we hope that you guys can share this episode with your friends, your family members, your loved ones, so that we can, all of the information that she's going to be sharing with us, we can get that out to everyone else. So we can all try and be safer and be protected because sex trafficking is a huge issue throughout the world. And it's just all about identifying those red flags so that we can stay protected. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, not an exciting topic at all, but it will be nice to hear from someone new. And I personally admire her bravery for coming out and speaking out against this and sharing her story because it is not easy. Like, it, yeah. like you said, like it, it's a horrible topic and no, nobody wants to talk about it, but it is helpful to talk about it to inform everybody else about signs to look out for, red flags, things you can do to protect yourself. Yeah. And I mean, we wish that we didn't have to have her on as a guest right. for this reason. We wish that it could be for something else, mm -hmm. but we're really thankful that she's going to share her, her tips and share whatever she feels comfortable sharing. Um, and hopefully we can share it with others and we can all just try and stay safe and stay protected. All right. So with that, let's go to the interview. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. Yeah, I can hear you guys. We awesome. Can hear you too. <laughs> nice to meet you. So I'm Haley, by the way. I'm Mackenzie. You guys can call me Ophelia. Okay. Okay. We are super excited to meet you. Um, we're excited to have you on. We wish that it was about a different topic because yeah. it's not a fun topic. Um, yeah. but we do on our podcast, we really believe in the power of like sharing your story and using your experience to help other people. And so when I came across your TikTok, I was really interested and I was also just like really impressed with the amount of people that interacted with it. And I really wanted to give you this platform to share your message because we need to know these tips and learning from other people, even though it's unfortunate, like we're really thankful that you're able to share that with us. Thank you. And yeah, I've wanted to share those kinds of things for a long time, but I've lived in fear and I've been nervous. So one night I just decided I'm going to put this out there and try to help other women at least because I know if I would have known some of the things that I talk about, maybe this wouldn't have happened to me mm -hmm. because it's kind of a, it's kind of crazy how it actually happens. Most people don't expect it to be a friend or a family member or somebody, you know, that gets close to you. They think it's just, you know, you getting abducted off the street. Right. When in actuality, that's not very common. Are you, are you comfortable with talking about, what happened to you or do you just want to talk about different red flags yeah i can talk about what happened to me um so i kind of was raised in a family that was 
full of addiction and drugs and stuff. So I got introduced to drugs at a really young age. And by the time I was 16, I was on the street and on my own. So I didn't have anybody to protect me. I didn't have anybody looking out for me, which made me a really easy target. Mm -hmm. Um, I got addicted to pills and all kinds of stuff. And I was living on couches and out of my car. And I eventually met a friend, somebody I thought was a friend who morphed themselves to be exactly what I was looking for at that time. You know, I was lonely. I was alone and I wanted a protector. I wanted somebody to care for me. And he pretended to be that person. He pretended to be like, I'm going to protect you. Nothing's going to happen to you. Like, I'll help you get better. I'll help you with all of this. And I just met this person randomly on the street. I don't know if they were seeking me out. I'm not sure if they were watching me for a while prior. I believe they were just because I was such a good target. You know, I was sleeping in my car half of the nights behind Walmart by myself. So I was a good target and I was weary of making new friends. But I knew this person for three weeks before I was alone with them or went somewhere like that something could happen to me. Um, So after about three weeks, I had hung out with him multiple times. He invited me to a hotel and I'm living off of people's couches, you know? So I'm like, I want to go to a hotel. I need a shower. I would love to stay at a hotel. And he knew that. So that night I Googled on my phone, like cheap hotels near me. And this is a red flag I should have looked at, but I didn't at the time. I offered all these hotels that were cheap and I thought nice, nicer than some of the hotels because we were in a really bad area. And he actually drove to those hotels with me in the car, would tell me to sit in the car, go into the office. I don't think he actually did. And tell me that they wouldn't accept his ID or this hotel was full for the night, like six times. And then he brings me to a very known prostitution hotel in the area. And he's like, and that motel magically works. That motel magically we're able to get a room at. Mm. And looking back at it, I should have known what was going on, but I just, it's such a blind side. You don't expect, you just don't expect that kind of thing to happen. And I ended up going in the hotel room. He invited a bunch of people there that I had never met, men and women. And I was very innocent to the prostitution world. I was never a part of it, never had any idea what happened in it. So I didn't recognize that these women were prostitutes. I was just getting high and drinking and having a good time. And... I ended up passing out. I don't know if I was drugged or not, but I wasn't doing any drugs that should have made me pass out. I ended up passing out. And when I woke up, I was, my cell phone was gone. My wallet was gone. My social security card, my ID, everyone was gone. And I was locked inside the motel room from the outside. And I would bang on the door. And 
no, nothing happened for hours and hours. And I was just sitting there racking my brain trying to figure out what happened. I didn't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the night, a girl came in and I guess he was like one of his, she was like one of his head women, one of the higher up women that's been with him and is accepting of being there. A lot of the women do that so that they can have a better life there. Mm-hmm. They're stuck. So they pretend to care about the guys. They pretend to take care of the women because that's what they have to do to survive. And she came in and kind of explained to me that I wasn't able to leave and what I was going to be doing. And that um, if I did try to escape, that they would kill me and that they gone through my phone, found out my family's address, tons of information about me, and said that if I did try to escape or break a window or do something, that they would hurt those people. So it's very psychological. Um, They left again, and I stayed in that room, I think, for two days before they ever did anything. I think it was part of just a psycho part of it they wanted to trip me out they wanted me to be alone they wanted me to sit there and rack my brain wondering what was happening and you know they would come in and give me drugs after the first couple of days keep me very drugged up and then I was moved I was I don't even really remember it happening um I just remember a van multiple men being in the van and being driven out of county to another county um and going to a different motel. And that was the motel where they first started working me. You know, I had no choice in it. The first couple of times I fought. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but eventually I learned that fighting was pointless. They constantly just gave me drugs and I would take the drugs because it was the only escape from my reality. They constantly moved me around. Um, We had office buildings. They owned office buildings in multiple of the counties in Los Angeles and Riverside area. Big, you know, 12 story office buildings with hundreds of offices in them where there was just girls in each room and There'd be lines of cars outside. Like to me, it was like, how does no one, how didn't, how did the cops not notice that this happened? I was like, at that point, I had no idea how deep it went. So I was desperate, like for someone to save me. I didn't understand how there was cars and Johns and disgusting men in a line outside of an office building coming in for 20 minutes a girl and leaving and the police just didn't do anything about it it was crazy to me and you know they kept me constantly disoriented I moved around a lot and it was every single time I moved I realized how deep and how big what I was in was because it wasn't just in one little area it was all over southern California and it was you know run by a couple of gangs they that worked together and um 
I constantly was trying to figure out a way to escape. I had seen a girl that got killed from trying to escape. So the fear of escaping and trying was hard. You know, I wanted to, I didn't want to live that life, but I was terrified. And so I didn't escape immediately. I didn't try to escape immediately. I waited to come up with a good plan. I watched, I observed as best as I could in a drug brain, you know what I mean? Like, I was trying to come up with a plan. I had a girl that would stay in my room with me most of the time that finally was like, I want to try and escape with you. Let's try it. And there was like a certain time in the middle of the night that there wasn't a guy, there was normally a guy on each floor of the motel, so you couldn't leave. And there was like one time in the middle of the night that he would go somewhere for like 15 minutes that we noticed. It wasn't the exact time every night, but we noticed he would leave. And we finally decided like, okay, we were in this one place where we could open the window enough to get out. And we were like, we're gonna do it, we're gonna go. And we both got out the window, ran down the stairs, ran into the parking lot, and then they saw us. Because there was somebody at the bottom of the parking lot. We expected that, but we thought we'd be able to run and have a big enough running start to get further, far enough away for them to not keep going after us. Like we'd be in enough of a public area you know? Yeah. But we weren't. And they grabbed us both and beat us so badly. You know, I couldn't see out of both my eyes for so long. And, you know, they don't work you when you're like really disfigured from them. So I kind of was like, this is good. I'd rather be beaten and not be working. And if they're going to kill me, which they didn't this time, I got to the point where I didn't really care. I would rather have died than been there. So I tried again. I got caught again. Same thing. And again, a third time, got caught again. I got all the way to the bus station third time. And, um, it's crazy, and a lot of people, I don't know if they believe this part or it's hard to believe, but it's true. I got to the bus station and somebody alerted the people that they had saw me. I don't know if it was a John or if they just had people at bus stations because I knew they like would transfer the girls through buses a lot. I got, it was probably, I walked two miles barefoot to get to that bus station and when I went to go get on the bus, I got on the bus and they closed the door right behind me. And I was the first person on the bus. And I got really scared. I was like, there's other people that want to get on the bus. Why did you close the door? And he drove off maybe, I don't know, 30 feet out of the place and dropped me off at the car of one of my traffickers. Oh my gosh. And... <sighs> That was really defeating. Um, Cause I got so far and they still caught me. And I felt like, 
there was no way I could escape. It was deeper than even I thought it was. And I almost gave up because I was scared. I didn't want them to hurt my family if I did get away. And I didn't want to live the rest of my life hiding, which I do now. Um, but it just got so bad. It was just so awful. Like, because I was one of the girls that kept trying to escape, I was treated exceptionally like worse than other girls. Um, like they wouldn't feed me. They would make me withdraw from drugs so that they could laugh at me withdrawing and just give me what they would call the burnt guys, which was people with STDs purposely. <laughs> and um, it was like just a sick, twisted game. And um, eventually I was just so tired of it. I wanted, I, the time that I actually ended up escaping, I wasn't really trying to escape. I was trying to commit suicide because um, I just wanted to die. And they had moved me to a motel that was right on the highway in Riverside County. And uh, in the middle of the night, I just saw an opportunity to run and I ran straight into traffic on the highway. And it was a very dark, but very spiritual moment for me. Um, I wanted so desperately in that moment to just not be there anymore. And I was just standing in a four lane highway, the cars whizzing by me and they weren't hitting me. And people would swerve out of my way. They just didn't hit me. It was pissing me off. And I couldn't believe it because it was dark and there was no street lights. And it just didn't make sense to me that they couldn't hit me, but I felt this overwhelming presence of, you're not supposed to die right now. And this woman, I don't know who she is. I wish I could get in contact with this woman. I've tried, but this woman um, stopped her car and saw me, put me in her car. And was like, I had bruises and stuff. So it was obvious that something was wrong. And obviously I was in traffic too. So <laughs> yeah. something's definitely wrong. And she just kept me in her car and was like, what's going on? And I kind of told her, I was like, I've been, I'm a known missing person. You know, my, my father had reported me missing a, maybe two months after I went missing. So not early enough, but. I was a missing person and I was like I'm sure I'm a missing person look me up she looked me up and I, uh, there I was and she was like what happened to you and I was like I kind of told her the whole story and I told her I didn't trust the police because during my time there a lot of police were customers um so I was terrified to call the cops because I knew that Los Angeles Police Department would probably call the guy that trafficked me and tell him to come pick me up. Not all of them, obviously, but 
a lot. So I was too scared. I told her, could you please just take me to the hospital? So she took me to a hospital. I got treated. I had STDs. I had gonorrhea and chlamydia, all these things that were never treated and, you know, just broke my heart to have unwillingly gotten my body so disgraced. Um, and I willingly was like, I want to go into the mental health department of the hospital. I can't, what am I going to do? You know, like, yeah. And so I ended up staying in a psych ward for three months and it was the only place I felt so safe, you know, no one could come in. It was during COVID. So no one could come in. I felt safe there. They didn't want to leave. I was too scared to leave. Um, but I ended up like connecting with a family member who flew all the way out to California to come pick me up from the psych ward and bring me back to their house. And, you know, I got threats on social media many times um, from random people, not anybody I recognize, I guess just people he sent to threaten me telling me they knew where I lived and knew where I was. My, my dad had to move. Um, I had to change my name. I couldn't get a license or anything because I was too scared that they'd be able to find me if I got a license and had an address on it. So I ended up moving into a sober living in a safe house kind of thing. And they helped me with like changing my name and doing all the things I had to do to be safe. You know, I live super far away from there now. And I've completely changed my life around. So as horrible as this thing is that happened to me, I don't know how my life would have been if it didn't. You know, I wish it didn't, but I'm sober now for over a year. I have my own place, you know, I bought my own car. I have a great job in the recovery field. And I'm trying to just spread awareness about how this actually happens because telling every time I've ever told my story to someone, telling them that it was a friend, it was somebody that I trusted and had no idea. They pretended to be like as broke as me, as you know, addicted to drugs as I was, as from the same area. Like they pretended to be an entirely different person than they were. And I didn't even notice it. So I try to like warn women of people who come into your life and seem to fit everything that you want at that moment and like everything that you like, they never disagree with you. They don't wanna lose the opportunity to take you. So they do literally anything in their power to get you to the point where you trust them and you'll be alone with them and they know that they can, that's their shot. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, like, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, I admire you so much. Thank you yeah. for even just sharing your story. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard for me, obviously, to share my story. But 
it feels better to get it out and know that it might help somebody because one of my biggest, I don't know, shame, like the biggest shame I have and guilt I have is that I can't do anything about the other women that are still there. So if I can do something to prevent another woman from having to go through this, that's, that helps me, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely think that you are meant to be here and the things that you had to go through are awful. And I'm like tearing up hearing your story because it's so sad to me that our world is so corrupt that other people treat men and women like this. And we don't even know. I mean, like you said, you didn't know how deep it was until you were in there. And so like, we have no idea but you really are meant to be here for a reason because sharing your story, you're helping so many women and you are so strong and so brave. And I really admire you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. None of it is your fault. Like, I know you were like, I didn't even notice like what was happening, but like they know that and that's how they get you. And like, it's not your fault at all. Yeah. It took me a while to get over the fact that you know, I, I always, younger, I used to always think, like, I know everything, you know, like, this kind of stuff would never happen to me. And so it wasn't even a thought in my mind that something like that would happen, even in the lifestyle I was living, which wasn't safe and wasn't healthy. I still didn't think something like that could happen to me. And, you know, another thing is all the women that I was there with, you know, I saw all walks of life, which let me know that it wasn't just homeless women or drug addicted mm. women, women from bad homes. There was very young girls there. The youngest girl there that was 14 and that I met there. I'm sure there maybe was someone younger. And she had came out there to meet some guys she met on the internet. And that's how she ended up in that situation. So they had many tactics to get women. You know, I only know exactly how mine happened, but from what other women have told me, I've heard a couple of different stories just from this one sex trafficking ring, you know? They commonly did take drug addicted women. I don't know if you know, but California is called their Rehab Riviera. You know, they have the most rehabs out of anywhere in the United States, probably in the world. I don't know, but in the United States, for sure. And a bunch of people who are drug addicts in America fly to California to get treatment and then end up in the rehab shuffle where they pay you to go to treatment. It's very corrupt. That is very corrupt, too. And when the women get out, the traffickers know that these women are drug addicts and they're from another state and they have no family mm-hmm. and that's fueling it like the rehabs and the sober livings in california are fueling sex trafficking there were so many women that came out to california from rehab for rehab or to live in a sober living and ended up being sex trafficked and it's just crazy how I don't like to say smart, but calculated Mm -hmm. what they do is. And they know how to pick certain people and not get caught. It's another thing I try to explain, like 
it's not common that I saw women from happy two-parent, you know, middle-class, upper-class households there because, you know, if they go missing, their parents report them missing in a day and it's national news. It's not those kinds of people. It's the lower-class people, the people who come from broken homes, the people that no one cares about. And I don't, I don't know. It sucks that there's nothing I can really do because of how corrupt it is. Like, I've considered trying to talk to maybe the FBI or certain higher ups, but I, I genuinely am scared that even the FBI might have someone in it. Like, it's just, it's really scary how messed up our country is and how deep people go for money and how heartless people can be just because they want money. That's what it was. I mean, I can't even tell you how much money they made off of us. I mean, <laughs> the guy that sex trafficked me, like the main leader, drove a $150,000 car that on the back of it said pussy power. Oh my gosh. Like he was that blatant. It was that blatant. Nobody does anything about it. So are there any other signs or like red flags that you think people could look out for to protect themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say one of the biggest signs is like when something appears that seems just way too good to be true, someone that's giving you what you were lacking in life and someone who has a nickname or an odd name, like the guy who trafficked me came up with some random name. And I recall like when I would see people that knew him, they would call him a different name. All of them. Oh, that's weird. It would all be different okay. names for everyone. And I, at the time was like, oh, I don't know why everybody calls this guy a different name, but Looking back on it, it's because this guy never tells out his real name to anybody. He pretends to be a different person with everyone he meets, every woman he meets, you know? And he's hiding from whoever to keep his real identity secret. And that's probably one of the biggest ones. And they don't have social media. I remember asking for, like, can I add you on Facebook? Can I follow you on Instagram? And he's like, oh, I don't have one. He may have, but they won't give it to you because they don't want you to find out information about them and they won't let you meet their friends like for a couple weeks it was always a long hanging out so that they have that really deep control and manipulation over you mm -hmm. like they really quickly gain your trust and it's scary like i opened up to this person i felt safe with this person i I trusted this person. I thought to myself when I met them and became their friend, like, thank God I met a friend like this. And that just goes to show you what chameleons they are. Because he was not that person. He was evil. He was an evil person. And it's all walks of life too. I've, I've had a lot of people say like, is it just men? No. If you're the type of person that won't respond to a man, 
they'll send a woman for you. They have women that will recruit and become your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how a lot of the women got taken. The younger ones, they normally use women. And if they think that a man is what you'll respond to correctly, like what you're missing and what you want, they send a man. I was lonely. I was alone on the streets. I could benefit from having a man in my corner. And they knew that. And just like, you know, that just your gut instinct is really the most important thing. Like, I remember looking back on it multiple times that I said to myself, huh, that's strange. Or, huh, that's weird. And wait, this story doesn't sound the same as the other story you told me the other day. This doesn't add up that I didn't think twice about it, that it was malicious. I just thought, you know, maybe this person lived a weird life or I don't know, you know, like I was so obliviously like kind to people and caring about people. And I just, you know, I didn't expect the evil of this world to be like that. You don't expect someone to go through that extent just to take you. You don't expect someone to become your closest friend just to take you. So those are the red flags I can think of right now. And just like the targeted demographic that they go after, if you are in that demographic, be wary of it. Because, you know, if you come from a broken home, if they expect that you won't be reported missing, that's their golden ticket. You know, if you're not going to be reported missing, then they, they can keep you for the rest of your life. And no one cares. Most of the women aren't reported missing or aren't reported missing for months. Mm-hmm. And if they are, like, um, my family member who reported me missing said that the police were like, oh, well, she's she's a drug user, right? And they're like, yeah, she uses drugs. Well, she's probably just out on a run. You know, she's probably just out doing drugs. She doesn't want to talk to you. That's it. They would put no resources into looking for me. You know, my best friend that lived out in California and I talked to every day was constantly calling the police like I haven't heard from her in two months she hasn't been online in two months like Mm -hmm. something's wrong she keeps in contact with me and they were just like eh she does drugs so they go for those kinds of people and you know the people that traffic you they know all of this they have people on the inside they know exactly what to do and exactly who to take Mm -hmm. to keep this operation going yeah, unfortunately, that happens way too often with missing people. Like, some police departments don't seem to understand that, like, family members and loved ones, like, they know you better than anyone. And it doesn't matter if you use drugs or you're a sex worker or whatever. You don't deserve to go unnoticed. Right. And it's just not fair. It, it's it's not humane. I know. I'm talking to... I met a couple of women from TikTok who are missing or have family members missing from the same county who are going through the exact same thing. Like the police are like, you know, they, they are known to do drugs. So we're not going to look for them. And it's so sad to see it happening in the county I was taken from. It's got an ungodly amount of missing women and it gets no coverage. It's strange. Yeah, that's the other thing too, like lack of media coverage. And like even just 
one news station sharing a picture like that could help tremendously yeah it seems like it seems like there's so much money in it that they can basically pay off anyone almost anyone that gets in their way can be bought mm-hmm. wow well i I'm really grateful that you have shared these tips with us. Um, It's really sad to think like how targeted they can be. And when you said the youngest girl that you met was 14, um, our sister is 14. So that's so sad to me because I can't imagine just how innocent, I mean, anyone go like being trafficked is innocent, but just how young and naive and people still want to prey on you because they don't care. And it's awful. And it makes me really, I've been thinking like, what can we do? Like Mm -hmm. people who hear your story, I don't know how you could not want to do something about it because we, we all hear like, about sex trafficking, like we all know that it's an issue, but I think it just stays at that. Like, be careful because sex trafficking is a major issue or like, oh, I've seen the movie Taken and that was really scary. I don't want that to happen to me, but that's really it. It's not really talked about as much as it should be. And hearing all of these details, it's terrifying and it's disgusting and it's breaking my heart knowing that so many women are taken and abused daily. And now, like you said, like your whole life has changed. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that it's really hard for you to leave your home and you having to change your name and your whole identity. That's not something that should have ever happened to you. And so I hope that we can find a way to really spread this so that people can know about it. And I think it's about getting people who have a big influence and who can use their platform to spread awareness about it. I think that's probably how change will happen. But I understand what you're saying about like, you do want to maybe talk to the FBI or talk to someone who could help, but you also don't trust them. And I just, I I don't know. I totally understand that. Yeah. Like I, I really do. Like the people who are supposed to protect us a lot of times, like there is corruption and unfortunately like with what you're saying that can inhibit change from happening and people being put in prison for the rest of their lives for their crimes it's awful yeah it is and like you were saying yeah I think the only way to actually do something about it is someone with a big social media presence and anyone who has any social media presence really just trying to get the word out because for me like when I posted those videos I felt like okay, at least if someone that trafficked me sees me, this video has a million views and a million people know that I was sex trafficked and if I go missing again and don't appear, something happened to me. You know, I have a note by my bed with all the information that I actually have of locations and names I've heard that literally says, if I ever go missing or die, this is who killed me. Mm-hmm. And it sucks that I have to live like that, but you know, I think the only way to keep myself safe is to have that platform and to have people who know what happened to me and other women to 
feel comfortable enough to come out and say what happened to them. I've had a lot of women message me who okay. have gone through the same thing and they're too scared. And I get it because I wanted to tell my story for a year and a half and or a year and two months. And I was too scared. And I just did it one night because I felt like, honestly, the night I did, I was being consumed by guilt and shame for the other women. And I just wanted to do something. And it ended up being something that, you know, has helped me a lot, helping other women who are going through the same thing or who have gone through the same thing or have a family member who's missing. And me trying to help them is the best that I can do, you know? So yeah, like you said, the a lot of people think it's a conspiracy, I think, um, or the not in my backyard thing. You know, it's not mm-hmm. happening in my backyard, so I don't really care. And you need to, like these are young, young women who are, are getting raped every single day, day in and day out. And it's hundreds of women. It's not like a couple people. It's very deep. Hundreds of women and hundreds of men in power that are part of it. Hey, I'm sorry. I like, I'm so sad for you. Like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ophelia, is there anything else you want to add? Or like, do you want to like say something about you that might end on a happier note maybe or like something you want to share because like you seem really cool like I would Thank love you. to meet yes. you in person <laughs> yeah I'm normally not this depressing I promise but um yeah I just I want to tell people to just be careful the world isn't like a lot of us women go into everything with love and compassion mm-hmm. and think that other people are going to be as kind as we are and that's unfortunately not the world we live in and just be careful the more you are aware and the more you teach yourself these kinds of things the safer you can be and if something like this has ever happened to you 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 can use it to do something better to try and help other people who are going through the same thing it's been the most healing thing for me to help other women you know, and to even just talk to people who've gone through similar situations, you feel so alone when you've come gone through something like that, because it's such a, well, it's not such a rare thing, but it's not, you don't meet, I don't meet someone every day who's been sex trafficked. Right. So, you know, band together with other women who understand, and even women who have a voice, women who care, like you two, and trust them, and get your truth out, speak your truth and be fearless. And maybe we can do something about this. And um, I don't know, you can, you can change your life, you know, even when terrible things happen and you didn't get dealt the best cards in the world, you can change your life, you know. I was homeless for years and then sex trafficked and addicted to drugs and now I'm sober with a great job and with good friends and doing things I love, something I never thought I would have. I didn't even think I would be alive at this age, you know? So just keep pushing, I guess would be my advice. I'm really happy that your life has turned around and you're making the best of it. Like you're living proof that you can heal. And yeah you know, it'll probably take the rest of your life, but like you can turn your life around. Yeah. 
and it doesn't happen quickly. You know, the healing process was hard and I'm not done. I have a lot more to do, you know, like I sleep with a bat and pepper spray every single night because I still have such bad trauma, but I've accepted that I'm going to feel that way. And that I have gone through something that allows me to feel that way. That's one of the biggest things is accepting that it's okay that I feel that way. I have a reason to, and just yeah. keep moving forward in my life and trying to make the best of my life, you know? Well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story with us. And we, uh, we're so sad for you and so mm-hmm. sad for the other women, but we want to make this a huge priority. One of we talk a lot about um, sexual assault. We have a few episodes about that, and this is a lot different, but kind of under the same realm. Um, and so we've used our platform a lot for that, and we want to really use your story to really spread awareness about this. And so we really thank you for giving us this opportunity and trusting us to hear your story and to let us in so that we can spread this and help so many other women. Yeah, and I really appreciate you guys even wanting to do this and spread awareness and being so kind to me and dealing with me crying all the way through this whole thing. <laughs> I no, honestly, like I'm like trying not to cry the whole time. Like me too. <laughs> if I if it was me, I would probably be bawling. Like <laughs> you're really yeah. holding it together. <laughs> I told myself I would tell the story without crying, but it didn't happen. <laughs> that's okay like you said it's good to allow yourself to feel so yeah, yeah. definitely okay yeah well um do you want to share your tiktok maybe people can follow you and yeah more absolutely from you? um my tiktok is ophelia with three o's and four a's o-o-o-p-h-e-l-i-a-a-a-a Okay, perfect. <laughs> I was like, can you spell that out? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was nice to talk to you. It was nice yeah. to talk to you. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 Wow. We are so thankful that Ophelia was able to get on here with us and share her story. Um, After Ophelia got off, we were both really overwhelmed with emotion. um, Just at how corrupt our world really is and how people so innocent have their entire lives taken from them. But her story is so inspiring because she's really taken her life back and she's chosen to stand up and share her story to help so many other people. And so it's really inspiring to us and to everyone else who's listening. Yeah. We're, we're so touched. Like Haley said, like after we just started bawling, (laughs) like I was trying not to cry the whole time because like you said, during the episode, like we hear about it all the time. Mm -hmm. And, like, I remember, like, before 
we went on our family cruise like for my senior trip and we watched taken all together and like mom and dad were like we need to be careful like this is what can happen but like it's rare that like you actually hear someone's story who was sex trafficked and survived yeah and like like you said like she's totally taken her life back like she is very rare and like I'm, I'm just so touched by her yeah i i think that we all need to be very aware and we need to take the tips that she gave us and we need to share those Mm -hmm. things with everyone around us like we need to put it all on blast literally like all throughout social media blast yeah because what else can we do but talk about it and educate ourselves against it and from then bigger steps can be taken but we have to start by just educating ourselves and educating each other well that was really hard to listen to and just like sit there and listen like oh my gosh um but it was I feel like it was very beneficial and I feel like we all were able to learn a lot from that Mm -hmm. yeah um we will be putting some different little things um the tips that she gave us and some little sneak peeks on Instagram and those are super shareable. So please share them on your stories because stories are super easy. Everyone sees them. And so if that can catch someone's eye and maybe educate someone on the tips that Ophelia shared with us, then maybe that could save someone's life someday. So we'll be putting those on the Instagram. And then as always, reach out to us. This was a very emotional and educational episode. Um, Like we said at the beginning, it's not some, it wasn't a fun topic. It's not something that we had fun, you know, doing, but it is really inspiring to hear her story. And I feel extremely lucky to have met someone as amazing as her. And I know you feel the same way. Yeah, I do too. And like, there's so much more to her than like her being a victim of sex trafficking like i said like she seems so cool in person like (laughs) oh i'd love to just meet her but and um, she was gorgeous by the way for everyone else gosh i know she was like glowing (laughs) yeah we'll be back next week with episode 15. (laughs) um as haley said uh, make sure to follow us on instagram at real talk about feminism and we'll see you guys next week If you identify any signs of sex trafficking around you or you or a loved one is being trafficked, you can call the National Sex Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888 or you can text HELP or INFO in all caps, that's H-E-L-P or I-N-F-O to 233-733. Again, that number is 233-733 and you can text them HELP or info and they will reach out to you 24 hours a day.